Good afternoon. I was, wasn't really sure if it was over. <laughs> Thought you were going to hit a pump fake. But yeah, so just to introduce myself, my name is Rafael Battle. Um, my wife and I, we lead the Young Mary's Ministry for yay, yay, for Tower Water. And so um, we're just going to pray, jump right in. We'll be looking at John 12. We'll be going through 37 through 50. So pray with me, if you will. Dear God, um, thank you for this time to look at your word, God. I pray that we can um, connect with the passage, God, and really go after putting things into practice that um, we can draw closer to you, God. Pray you be with the lesson um, and that it can be about you and not me, God. Pray um, all these things in your son, Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Amen. So, um, if you have a Bible or an app, turn to John 12, and I'm going to read 37 through 50. Okay, starting in verse 37, um, I'm reading reading out the NIV, just in case you're wondering. It says, even after Jesus had performed many signs in their presence, they still would not believe in him. That was to fulfill the word of Isaiah the prophet. Lord, who has believed our message? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For this reason, they could not believe because Isaiah says elsewhere, He has blinded their eyes and hardened their hearts so that they can neither see with their eyes nor understand with their hearts nor turn and I would heal them. Isaiah said this because he saw Jesus' glory and spoke about him. Yet at the same time, even among the leaders believed in him. But because of the Pharisees, they would not openly acknowledge their faith for fear that they would be put out of the synagogue. For they loved human praise more than praise from God. Then Jesus cried out, whoever believes in me does not believe in me only, but in the one who sent me. The one who looks at me is seeing the one who sent me. I have come into the world as a light so that no one who believes in me should stay in darkness. If anyone hears my words but does not keep them, I do not judge that person, for I did not come to judge the world, but to save the world. There is a judge for the one who rejects me and does not accept my words. The very words I have spoken will condemn them at the last day. For I did not speak on my own, but the Father who sent me commanded me to say all that I have spoken. I know that his commands lead to eternal life. So whatever I say is just what the Father has told me to say. Now that we've read the text, we'll look at these two groups that Jesus interacted with. So the title of my lesson is Let Go or Lose God. Okay, cool. So the first group consists of Jews who did not believe. And so this first part, we'll be looking at verse 37 through 41. So they refused to believe that Jesus was the Messiah, though they saw the many signs that he performed. 
They decided not to believe in him because the path that God had prepared for him. And this is seen in context in verse 31 through 43, which I'll read for you guys. Um, It says, now is the time for judgment on this world. Now the prince of this world will be driven out. And I, when I am lifted up from the earth, I will draw all people to myself. He said this to show what kind of death he was going to die. The crowd spoke up. We heard from the law that the Messiah will remain forever. So how can you say the Son of Man must be lifted up? Who is the Son of Man? And so scholars believe that the Jews were expecting a Messiah that would return who was a warrior. And so when Jesus said he was going to die, this very much contradicted this Messiah who would remain forever. But this was just on the surface. And so we'll actually look a little deeper and see how it's not in conflict, but then even how can we apply this today that we don't miss the Messiah. So my first point is you can get with this or you can get with that. So if you've heard the song, the the song is actually called The Choice is Yours. And so I actually thought it was, that was the title, but it's not. And it's by this group called Black Sheep. And so I watched the video, I was like, okay, let me make sure this is kosher before I use it as a point. And throughout the video, the, the group is pulling out um, different images of things you can get with. And the images are like things they shouldn't be doing, like drugs or you know, racial groups or different things like, that are purposely trying to destroy the person. And so that's why I titled this, you can get with this or you can get with that. So in verse 38, um, John actually quotes Isaiah 53. So which, which says, um, matter of fact, I'm actually going to read the actual text, which is in Isaiah 53. So just for time's sake, I'll read the latter part, which is 7 through 12. It says... In verse 7, it says, He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before the share is silent. So he did not open his mouth. By oppression and judgment, he was taken away. Yet, who of his generation, generation protested? For he was cut from the land of the living. From the transgression of my people, he was punished. He was assigned a grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death. Though he had done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth, yet it was the Lord's will to crush him and cause him to suffer. And though the Lord makes his life an offering for sin, he will see his offspring and prolong his days and the will of the Lord will prosper in his hands after he has suffered he will see the light of life and be satisfied by his knowledge my righteous servant will justify many and will bear their iniquities therefore I will give him a portion among the great and he will divide the spoils with the strong because he has poured out his life unto death and the number with the transgressors. 
For he bore the sin of many and made intercession with transgressors. You mind turning the mic down a little bit? Sorry to keep that. So we'll just jump in. So I read this passage because this was what Isaiah quoted. This is the message. And this is what he brought up. Who believed this message? And so actually it was in conflict with what the Jews who didn't believe him were saying. Like, they're like, hey, how are you going to live forever? But if they had known Isaiah 53, they would have seen that this passage was about Jesus, that he was going to grow up and that he was going to be rejected by all mankind, killed and be resurrected. But because it didn't align with what they were saying or what they wanted to see in Jesus, they rejected the Messiah, which is even a crazier passage from um, Isaiah, which is Isaiah 6 where it talks about how God hardened their hearts so that they could neither see him nor believe in their hearts and repent. And so just to even explain that question of why would God harden the hearts of people, we'll look at Romans 1. And so Romans 1 and verse 21, it states, For although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him. But their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. And then skipping down to verse 28. Furthermore, just as they did not think it worthwhile to retain the knowledge of God, so God gave them over to a depraved mind so that they do what ought not be done. And so we see that God gives us choices. He, he gave the Jews the choice to either believe or not to believe. And because they chose not to believe, he allowed them to just kind of run wild with their own thoughts. And so they lived this life that was godless. Like, not specifically, I'm not going to be religious, but their whole purpose was to find the Messiah and follow him. And so they actually end up finding the Messiah, rejecting him, and killing him because they refuse to believe. And so um, just kind of the, the points that were ironic to me as I was looking at this passage was that Jesus did 200 to 400 messianic prophecies. And so these were prophecies that would have been written and prophesied by many prophets up to this point of when the Messiah comes, this is what he's going to do. And so I was um, also doing a little research, you know, um, to connect it with today. And there's a book called Science Speaks. I love science. Uh, And the author, Peter Stoner, he calculated that for anyone to be able to accomplish all the prophecies that Jesus fulfilled would be one to the hundred quadrillion, which if that doesn't make any sense, which it didn't make sense to me, is 10 to the 17th power, meaning one with 17 zeros behind it. And then I did a little further research of like, what does that mean? So to put it in perspective, from the time, the beginning that this world has existed to this point, 
Um, different scholars believe that there's only been about 20 to 105 people on this earth. So that means from the present time, people have lived, died, all the way to now. And for sure, 20 to 105 is a huge range, but only because you can't really calculate how many people are actually existing. Like, only God knows that number. But needless to say, there hasn't been 100 quadrillion people on this earth. And so it actually requires more faith to believe that Jesus wasn't the Messiah and did all these things than he was. And so what does that mean for us? Because I know it can be like, okay, great. I'm not Jewish. Maybe someone is, you know, but most of us aren't. You know, we would have been considered Gentiles. But how do we apply this to our lives? And I think some ways we can do that are by making sure that we don't miss out on Jesus when he comes to us. And what does that look like today? Many things. But I think mainly it's God's word being preached. You know, I think the Jews had the scriptures, but they weren't willing to dig deeper. And not all of them rejected, because some of them actually saw the signs. But most of them just kind of like, oh, I don't like what this is saying, so I won't believe it. Even though I'm seeing all these signs that no one other than the Messiah could do. And so some questions I, I ask for us are, are we reading the Bible? You know, like, is that something we're doing to know who Jesus is? Or is it just a church thing? Like, I'm going to come to church on Sunday, and I'll hear some word versus... I'm going to know this stuff because I'll be able to discern when people are talking to me about Jesus or talking a great message that sounds like Jesus, but isn't, you know, and a sub point, we all have smartphones. So if you have a smartphone, you can get the Bible app for free or you can go to Dollar Tree, buy it for a buck. Shameless plug. So um, another one is we got to let go of our traditions that contradict the Bible. And so um, when you start reading the Bible for yourself, you'll start to see there might be things that mm, you didn't grow up with. Like, oh, we never did this. Or, oh, I was told something else. You know, you have to be willing to let go of those things so that you don't miss out on the Messiah. And so the question you'll have to ask if you ever come to that crossroad is, what am I going to hold to? Am I going to hold to what I've always known? Or am I going to hold to this is what Jesus is saying? You know, and so I remember even my own life, like when I opened the Bible, I was a freshman at ODU. And it was crazy because I remember I was like, ah, I read the Bible here and there or in church or whatever. But I never like took deeper dives. And we started like, opening the word and there's just so many things I didn't know or so many things I thought meant something and meant something else you know and I have to really wrestle with like am I going to just kind of gloss over or am I going to really see like this is Jesus talking to me you know and so here I am today so clearly I made the, <laughs> the decision to continue to go forward but I think we also have to ask um 
what are these things? You know, is it family traditions? Is it denominational preferences? You know, like when I talk to different people, I, I hear, I'm this, fill in the blank. But the real answer is, are you following Jesus? You know, I, I even had a conversation about loyalty, and it was loyalty to a building or a particular people. But I'm like, that's not what Jesus was about. Jesus was about loyalty to God. And so even during his day, like, he was Jewish. Like, everyone should have been loyal to him just because he was the same ethnic group, but they weren't. And they weren't because he was radical. And so I think that's what we have to make sure that we're doing. We're not being loyal to, this is how I grew up, this is how I raised, but I'm loyal to Jesus and the truth. And so just a fun fact for you guys. You know, hopefully this is fun. So in 2001, Christianity Today did like a poll. And at that time, there was 33,000 denominations of Christianity. And so that's 18 years ago. So I don't even know what the current status is. There's probably so many more. But the question is, like, how do you get all these different denominations? And the truth is, it's because some denominations hold to particular passages while omitting others. And so we really have to be careful to make sure that we're holding to Jesus and not a man. And so bear with me. Okay, okay. And then lastly, for this point, we have to accept challenging narratives about Jesus. You know, I think it's so easy to gloss over things that challenge us when you open the Bible. You know, I just wrote down a few, like maybe it's the Jesus didn't commit sin. Um, 1 Peter 2.22. I remember interacting with someone and they're like, hey, we're, none of us are perfect. And I was like, it's not actually true. Like, Jesus calls us to strive for perfection. You know, maybe you don't believe that Jesus is the only way to God, which he says in John 14, 6. And so that's challenging today. Like, there's so many different religions, even outside of Christianity. But if you follow Jesus, then you've made a stand of, He is the only way. And if he isn't, then he's lying. You know, so you can't be like, oh, yeah, he's one of the ways. You have to really choose what you're going to follow. He expects us to give up everything to be a follower of him. And so that's in Luke 14, 33. Or even God expects you to seek first his kingdom and his righteousness above everything else. And even in this passage, if you want to look it up, it's Matthew 30, it's Matthew 6, and it starts in 25. It talks about, like, not worrying. And it actually breaks down all these different things that you work for, you know, like food, where you're going to stay, all these different things. And Jesus points back of, actually, I come first. So if there's a job that's taking you away from me, get rid of it. You know, if there's a relationship, fill in the blank. I always should be coming first. And so whatever the case is, whatever is challenging, we have to wrestle with it to believe so that we don't just reject Jesus. Um, 
Which leads to my second point. Ain't no such thing as halfway Christians. So in um, verse 42 to 33, we see that the leaders, they actually believed. Which is crazy because all these people are like, nah, that can't be true. But there's these leaders among them that are like, that is true. But they stay quiet. And, you know, the leaders of their time, they stayed quiet because they were afraid that they would be kicked out of the synagogue. Which was huge because if you were a leader, then everyone knew you for, like, your involvement in the synagogue and religion and even during their time, church and government were one. And so there was no difference. So if you got kicked out of the synagogue and your job was to work there or you were a leader, that means that you got kicked out of not only the synagogue, but everyone would know. And so you would no longer really have a part in that society. And so it was a lot for them to, to lose. And so, you know, like, I was thinking about this part of the passage and I was like, I can relate with that. Like, it's so easy to start off, you know, with the right intention, the right motives of I'm trying to follow God. But then later on, you just kind of find yourself, man, I want to just fit in. I want to be the person that everyone likes. I'll be the person who wears the Christian name tag, but I don't want to do anything that's too extreme. You know, and so I remember, like, even my previous position that I worked at, I went to a after works, um, after work event, which it was a paint night, and you know, I'm like excited. I got a degree in art, so I'm like, I'm about to stun on some people and paint something really nice, you know. And so I'm just like, okay, cool, cool, and I'm leaving, like, figuring out where I'm gonna sit and. I'm like right next to my coworker, and I've been reaching out to him for a little bit, you know, just telling him I'm a Christian and telling him my story of like, oh, I've been going to church all this period of time and just kind of sharing different convictions with him. And so everything just kind of went downhill from after that moment. Like the instructor came out, she introduced herself, and then she started step by step explaining how we're going to um, paint this image of a tree with a sunset, right? And so I'm like, cool, pretty easy. But each one of her instructions were laced with sexual innuendos, double entendres, like all this very stuff that's like super inappropriate, like being in corporate America, right? And so versus stepping up and saying something, which I was like, oh, I know, I should totally say something. But I'm like, I'm going to have to walk past all my coworkers and feel like this odd man out. And so I settled for just kind of staying quiet, complaining quietly with my coworkers, because we're all just like, oh, that's inappropriate. This is inappropriate or whatever. But then I was blown away and just kind of exposed because later on that night, there was a sister from the church who also worked there. And she talked to the CEO of like, hey, you know, this instructor is very inappropriate. And can you tell her to stop using sexual innuendos? And the CEO in turn went back, talked to her, and the rest of the paint night was like tame. And I remember just kind of painting, but still feeling like, man, like 
this was a moment for me to actually put into practice this point that I was kind of building, walking up this hill of I'm a Christian, I'm this, I'm that, and really execute. But I didn't, you know? And the reason I didn't was because I was uncomfortable. I didn't want to look like the Jesus freak or I'm this person who's too extreme. Uh, But this is how the leaders were. You know, they wanted to hold the name of God and be esteemed and known for that. But when it came the time to actually acknowledge the Messiah, they, they failed. And so I think this is relatable for us. Because I think a lot of us are here because we believe in Jesus, you know? And we've heard about Jesus plenty. But what are we going to do when these moments come? You know, will we stand up or will we just kind of fade with the crowd? And the crazy thing is, like, we don't know what would have happened if they stepped up and said something. Would the first group who didn't believe be like, oh, wait a minute, the leaders are saying something. Maybe I should look into this, you know, and just have changed their minds. And so I think this is something that we have to really um, be careful that we rise to the occasion, which um, leads to my last point. Um, step into the light. Matter of fact, didn't see this page, so I'm going to backtrack a little bit. So when the leaders weren't willing to step up to actually um, acknowledge the Messiah, like, there were different scriptures that would be waiting for them at the last day. If they didn't repent, you know, we don't know. They could have repented and really made a point that, I will step up, which is the same case for us. Like, that paint night happened almost a year ago. You know, and I've had plenty of other opportunities to step up and acknowledge I am not ashamed of being a Christian or for Jesus, you know? And so there's a few passages that um, speak this very thing. Because I, I always used to think Jesus was this good guy, had a great beard, he was all about forgiveness, you know, and was just nice to everyone. Yep, Chance, you do have a great beard. Um, but Jesus is pretty radical. He, he makes a stand, and he, he sta- stands by it. So in Luke 9, 26, it says, Whoever is ashamed of me and my words, the Son of Man will be ashamed of them when he comes in the glory and in the glory of his Father and the holy angels. Um, Matthew 10, 32-33, Jesus says, Whoever acknowledges me before others, I will acknowledge before the Father in heaven. But whoever disowns me before others, I will disown before my Father in heaven. And so Jesus really makes it clear that there is no such thing as a halfway Christian. Like, you're either going to live a life that points out hey, I'm a Christian, look at Jesus. Or you're going to live a life that says, hey, I'm a Christian, I'm just a good person. You know? 
And so we, we do have to decide what will it be, all in or we're going to dabble. And so lastly, the point, step into the light, it, it starts off with Jesus crying out. And I want to speculate and believe that Jesus cried out because he was bothered. He was bothered by, for one, people who were supposed to identify the Messiah. That they were so in love with praises from other humans more than God. But he was also bothered by other people who didn't know God and were kind of helpless. And the leaders could have said something. And I think just kind of with all this, like, it bothered him enough that he wanted to double down on, here's who I am, what will you do? And let me make it clear that you can't pick and choose. And so um, he, he cries out and he tells people that when they're seeing him, they're seeing God. You know, and, and this passage is actually later on in Colossians that, that kind of emphasizes this very same point. Um, in Colossians 2, 9 through 10, it says, For in Christ all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form, and in Christ you have been brought to fullness. He is the head over every power and authority. And so this is... A crazy statement because Jesus is saying, I am God. Me and the Father are one. And they would have had to choose, like, okay, this guy's saying this, he's done all these signs. Will I follow or will I stay in darkness? And so he calls the crowd to, to know that anyone who believes in him will not stay in darkness. And so, what does this mean? I thought I'd pick a passage that's familiar with everyone, or probably the majority of everyone. So John 3, 16. I could ask anyone in this room probably, and they can tell me what, exactly what it says. But John 3, 19 goes on, and it speaks about this verdict that has come. And so, John 3, 19 starts started in 19. It says, this is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but people like darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that they may be seen plainly that what they have done has been done in the sight of God. And so I picked this passage because this is why people wouldn't come into the light. It's because they had these evil deeds. And I think we all have to wrestle with, are we in the light? You know, or are we in darkness? And I think the easiest way to find that out is to, to really reflect, like, have you been exposed? You know, are you continuing to be exposed? Or are there just secrets that you have? Because I think that's totally what a dark room does, right? It, it hides you. Like I remember when I was at ODU, and 
I'm in the Lightroom, which is this room that's painted black. And so back in those times, my favorite color was black, right? So I'd wear all black, everything. And I remember it's like after midnight and I'm painting in this room and this police officer walks down the hall and he sees the light on. There's like one light in the entire room. And he's like, is anyone in this room? And I'm like, yes, I am. And he's like, what? Where are you? <laughs> and so I'm like five feet away from this guy, right? And I'm just like, I'm right in front of you. And he's like, come out into the light. And so when I walk, and I, it's crazy because even though I'm an art major and I'm in this room that's painted all black and I'm wearing a black hoodie and black sweats, you know, black shoes, black socks. And I'm not thinking like, oh, why can't he see me? Because I can clearly see the door open and the hallway is actually painted white. And so it was clear, like when I saw him walk by, no surprise, no fear. It's like, I see you, you know, but he on the other hand didn't see me. And so once I stepped into the hallway, it was clear, you know, he was just like, hey, you know, want to be careful. There are people who've been breaking into the art building. You know, it's like winter time to just stay warm. And so went, went, went on and could continue to finish my piece. And so I think that's what we have to ask, like, where are we comfortable? You know, what, what places do we hang out in? Like, are we in this hallway where it's clear people see us? Or is there some other place that we run to? You know, because Jesus makes it clear that if you believe in him, you will not remain in darkness. And so one of the, the things I hear a lot is, you know, I'll just share people with my share with people my testimony about I've been a Christian for it's been 13 years now, right? And I'll be like, oh, how long have you been a Christian? And it's I've been a Christian all my life. I'm like, how can that be? You have to learn how to be a Christian. It doesn't come natural. You know, if it did, the Jews wouldn't have rejected Jesus. You know, and so the question has to be, have I learned these things? But then in conclusion, like, we have to hold on to the truth. Know God's word. Because at the end, that's going to be the test that we're graded on. Do you know God's word? Because if you don't, you will hear it either now or later. And later it will be condemning you on the last day. And so I wanted to encourage everyone to really ask these questions. Come up with some answers. You know, do I know God's word? How can I make time so that I'm not caught off guard? Because I think when I was in college... I was like, I'll become a Christian, but I'll become a Christian when I'm 80. And I've enjoyed every single thing I can do. And my motto used to be, whatever happens, happens. But someone interacted with me, and I was kind of like, this is weird, you know? Like, they came up to me, I was eating dinner with this girl, and they asked me, hey, do you want to come to this discussion where we're going to talk about the Bible? And I was like, sure. But it was with very arrogant um, perspective, because I knew a lot about scripture, but it was more like 
history facts. Like, if you say this, I'll say this. I have a counter for you, but I didn't really know how to apply the scriptures to my life. And so when I came out, I was blown away because, for one, God's word doesn't leave empty. It can challenge us and change our lives at any point. And so I remember walking away from the Bible discussion. I was like, not a Christian. Like, if these people were Christians and their shirts are white, then my shirt is off-white. You know, like, there's something wrong with some of the things I'm doing because we looked at some scriptures and Jesus said some pretty plain stuff. And I'm like, actually, I don't agree with that. I haven't been living like that. But that led me to continue to study and wrestle. And I challenge everyone who's come here today, like, really wrestle. Like, am I making these challenges? Am I walking in the light? If not, let me look at God's word because we will be judged on it at the last day. So that's my lesson.